Yeah, exactly. If it's just like, I'm just trying to make the string resonate as loudly and as fully as possible, then I'm just going to like try to get the bow as straight as possible, as perpendicular to the string as possible to get the most resonance. But if you kind of change that up, there are other sounds, like it still makes sound. And what are those other sounds? friends. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Creative Process. I'm your host, Alicia Peterson-Baskell. Thank you so much for being here. This is a tumultuous time in our world with what's going on in Ukraine and, and being far away from it feels confusing to me, at least, uh, to be able to see it so clearly on social media. But then, you know, I'm making mac and cheese in the other room. I'm going to pick up my girls from school. All of the normal things that I am so lucky to be able to do seem huge right now and elevated and ultra important and yet so unimportant at the same time. And so I just want to honor that duality. And I also want to honor artists because I feel like artists in so many ways, are able to capture that duality. You know, what would the world be like without artists and without art to take in both the world around us and the possibilities at the same time, right? The immediate reality of the world around us and the imagination of what could be. I'm so happy to introduce you to our guest today, Christopher Apple, who is truly an artist who works in community. Christopher Apple is a violinist, composer, performer, and educator working at the intersection of music, dance, text, and digital media. His music is a regular feature of the local art scene here in San Diego, California, where he works closely with choreographers, writers, directors, composers, visual artists, and software developers to integrate music and interdisciplinary performance practices. Currently, Christopher teaches digital audio at the University of San Diego. He accompanies dance classes at UC San Diego and Maricosta College. He plays violin with the San Diego City Ballet Orchestra, and he works and has worked with so many dance artists here in San Diego. His work is truly supportive and in collaboration with those that he works with. So I am honored to bring him and his voice to you, my audience. Please welcome Christopher Apple. It's so good to see you. I haven't had a conversation with you in quite a while. Yes. Years, right? A few years. years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been a it's been some time. Life gets busy, but I'm so happy to have this conversation with you because I mean the the podcast is called Inside the Creative Process. And I feel like you're somebody who literally goes inside creative processes that are yours and that are other people's creative processes and you kind of live and thrive in that space yeah for sure i yeah i've always thought it was really important to be a part of or participate at least at the, at the very least participate in the community or the community of people that i was working with and yeah, yeah it's always been part of my creative process part of my strategy as an artist yeah. i love how you use the word strategy it makes it feel so tangible 
you know, like something that is almost scientific that you can really mm. look at. And you do that, you look at it and you look at it from all angles. Yeah. Before we kind of dive in, because I feel like we could just dive in right there. <laughs> I want to give listeners some context, you know, who you are, where you, where you started, where you started with music. And I'd love to hear how your music became a way for you to integrate into other art forms as well. Great. Yeah. So I started off, you know, as a elementary school kid playing <laughs> piano and also violin in school orchestras and would play in anything that I had the opportunity to play in. Everything from school orchestras to the musicals at church or playing in community orchestras. I had friends who were singer-songwriters, you know, when I got older in junior high and high school. And so playing the violin along with, you know, guitar player and singers, that was also something I did a lot just as a kid growing up. Amazing. And, you were always a collaborator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's so cool. And I moved to San Diego to go to college. I went to San Diego State got a bachelor's of music, ended up doing a master's of arts there as well. Really from my experience during my undergrad years, you know, started getting more and more and more involved working mm -hmm. with and collaborating with dancers and choreographers and various movement modalities. <laughs> yeah. Is that where it started for you was with dance? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, the very first collaboration I did was with the Grossmont College Dance Department. At the time, Dina, my wife Dina, was mm -hmm. a, a student there. And, you know, the, all the students would get together and sort of audition their pieces to be on the, on the student concert. There was a dance artist there that was looking for a musician to collaborate with. And Dina was like, oh, I know someone who plays the violin. And so she had connected me with one of the student choreographers there. That was also sort of my introduction into postmodern dance because he was creating from that sort of aesthetic lineage of postmodern dance. So it was really great. I was on stage playing, you know, I had a little bit of, wasn't really choreography, you know, I didn't really have a whole lot of movement other than just kind of moving around the stage as the choreography was happening. So that was my very first dance collaboration. From there, it just, you know, just word of mouth. People saw it and was like, oh, that was interesting. Like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this and got the opportunity to just collaborate with some other choreographers and then got invited to come in and play for dance classes. And so from there, it just sort of grew and grew and grew. I was looking at your bio uh, yesterday and I was just I was reading that, you know, you said something like you are integral to the San Diego art scene. And I would definitely stand behind that because. I can hardly go to a performance of something that I feel like I'm destined to enjoy. You're likely to be <laughs> performing in it. <laughs> That's it's so amazing. So it started in undergrad for you. And were you composing at that time? Were you improvising? Had you done some composition? Tell me a little bit about how you got into not just playing the violin, but also composing and potentially improvising. Yeah. So I think the the composing and the improvising, which kind of went hand in hand, actually started in high school, just working with friends who were guitar players and songwriters and just writing music. So they would have sort of their song structure and I would improvise or compose some kind of violin line that would fit some kind of melody or harmony that would fit, that would go along with it. I did that quite a bit early on 
in high school. And then the other part of that too was I had inherited a Korg synthesizer that had a MIDI sequencer built into it. And so I was always in my room making sounds on, on that synthesizer and like programming, doing like MIDI sequencing and stuff. So I was, I was, you know, at that point composing, interestingly, not really to produce something, but I was always just kind of tinkering, like just mm -hmm. making sounds. And so in a way, like I think my composition background has always been rooted in that sort of exploration, experimentation, just kind of tinkering and just finding sounds that I like and figuring out how to put those together into Amazing. something that was interesting. <laughs> One of the things that's, for me at least, that feels so unique to you is that you use the violin with, is that a synthesizer that you use? Yeah. Did that start when you got this synthesizer? Did you immediately incorporate the two together? I didn't actually. There were there was one particular piece that I had made on the synthesizer that a friend of mine transcribed for the guitar. He was a guitar player. And so we sort of did like an acoustic version of it, but it wasn't really integrated. But it was later on when I was playing with a band in college, they had just invited me to... I think they were doing like a Jimmy Eat World cover and it had this violin part on it and they just needed they, they needed a string player to play that part. They just asked me to come in for one song, you know, and perform with them on that. But when I was playing with them, all the guitar players in that band were like, oh, you should play your violin through this pedal and that pedal. So like just from there, it was like, you know, guitar players kind of showing me, yeah, we have like, you know, distortion pedal or like a chorus pedal or even a little stomp box looper. I ended up getting a loop pedal from one of those guitar players and just was at home, just kind of experiment. And at that point I was in college studying classical music, you know, uh, violin. So just playing in, in the school orchestra, taking private lessons, you know, kind of doing, you know, lear learning that whole tradition of violin playing. So at the same time, I was sort of still experimenting just at home, kind of just like, these are the sounds I enjoy making and like kind of exploring how the technology works and creating from there. And so that was all happening about the same time that I was starting to collaborate with some of the student choreographers and, and things in undergrad. And so I, you know, immediately went to that as sort of a tool to compose or to play or to basically to augment my sound in ways that were interesting, you know, because as, as a violinist, there are pieces where you can play things that are polyphonic or you make them sound polyphonic, but really a violin is like you play one note at a time and you usually play the melody or you play something that's a little bit more rhythmic. So having things to augment that sound was really exciting. Like if I had a looper, I could have like a little, you know, I can create a little kind of rhythmic like pizzicato riff and then I could just play on top of it, you know, sort of, it just all started really from, from that. And I, I still it. use that sort of technique I, too for, for and playing. I, so. I love it. And I can see that you like still get excited about it. And that's yeah. so thrilling because that one day that you decided to go and work with this band to play this one song yeah, <laughs> just exposed you exactly, to yeah. just a new way. And that's so great. And so you were kind of juggling the traditional way of violin and the yeah. traditional schooling of violin while being introduced to postmodern dance and working more and more with choreographers who were, you know, what were they asking for? Were they asking for something more experimental? Yeah, I think a lot of it was very kind of going into a rehearsal or just going into a studio and just experimenting like, okay, here, here's some sounds I can make. And then, you know, just sort of offering some things and then getting, you know, the choreographer kind of trying things out and then 
kind of that feedback loop of like, okay, well, what if we do this? What if we do that? But it always sort of started from that place. And I think maybe because I was sort of used to working with like singer songwriters in that more collaborative setting, that it was sort of that expectation of like, okay, here's what I can do. And like, how can I fit what I'm doing to the piece that you're making? So yeah, so that's always, I, I think, been how I approach things. <laughs> yeah. And I know because I'm, I've been one of the lucky ones who've worked with you, just how easy it is to speak whatever language I speak. Mm. Sometimes when you cross over art genres, it can feel like, oh, I've got to learn a new language. I feel like when I work with you, I can say what I need to say in whatever words that I choose. And you're going to take that into your own way of seeing art and seeing the process and make it. I think that's one of the great skills that you have. Oh, thank you. I'd love to hear about some of the collaborations that you've done. If you can kind of pull from your well of, mm -hmm. I'm sure, very diverse processes. I'd love to hear about just a few that really stood out to you and how you approached it. I'd love to hear about all of it, the difficult stuff, the great stuff. Yeah. The very last collaboration I did was working with Litvok Dance. So that's a company that is run by um, Sadie Weinberg. Well, we had this idea for a project right before the world shut down. <laughs> so we had this idea of doing kind of a composer-led but very collaborative process, creative process to create something. But what was really interesting about it was... I think for the first time in a long time, or I don't know, maybe ever, it was just me in my room writing music, recording it, and then sending it off. And then, you know, over Zoom, kind of watching as, you know, everyone's trying to rehearse in their living rooms and, and various, you know, bedrooms and living rooms and kitchens and, and then kind of just putting the piece together and, and sending that off. So that was sort of the very last collaborative performance I did, which was very unique <laughs> because yeah. of the state of, of in-person possibility. Where did you get your inspiration for the composition from? It sounds like it was coming from you, right? You were mm -hmm. the impetus and then the, the, the choreography in some way was responding to you. Yeah. Well, I think part of it was, you know, I was taking that, the opportunity to kind of work out just some ideas that I had, I'd had for a while. You know, just like, oh, you know, I'd, I've always had in the back of my mind that I wanted to create some sort of like immersive sound installation that the music could be performed within, but it could also be immersive for, for, for the dancers and the, and the audience. Some of it, too, was just wanting to learn some new technologies or even just expand my skills as far as pulling off something like that. So in terms of, you know, like sound system design and, you know, all the computer programming that would go into pulling off something that's more like a sound installation that, that would be immersive. Is it something that they have performed or will be able to perform soon? No. So basically we just yeah. created something over Zoom. Yeah, okay. We just created something over Zoom and we did a virtual performance. So the whole thing was just done re remotely. Okay. You know, we just had to not really scrap the concept, but you know, re reapproach or reimagine what the what the thing could could be. I was very satisfied and happy with what came out. You know, as things have opened up the last couple of months, we've been able to perform a few of those pieces live. Okay. So that's also been great. I had titled sort of the whole 
collection of music that I had made as polymorphic suite. So that was sort of the, yeah, that suite of pieces that I had composed. <laughs> and so there, there were several dances. There ended up being five different dances, five different choreographers. And the idea was it was just going to be like an evening length concert, right? That, that had, we would sort of put all, all of the pieces together somehow. For now, they're just sort of individual pieces that I've been able to perform a few times. So that's great too. <laughs> that's great too. And, yeah. and we're, we've, you know, we already were a bit flexible, but now we've really learned to be flexible. So yeah. It's my hope to see it as a full length concert yeah. one day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think part of that, like um, in terms of the technology and just wanting to sort of continue to grow as a technologist, I guess, <laughs> to yeah. call it that, uh, you know, I was talking about how I just started off with like a little stomp box loop pedal. And, you know, from there with different collaborators, you know, just seeing the other tools people worked with and just experimenting with things. So, you know, another chapter in my collaborative journey was collaborating with someone I had met through one of your pieces hmm. at, at UCSD. That was Blair um, yeah. Nelson. Yes. He was working in Ableton Live at the time, and we had kind of a, a regular collaboration for many years, which was also really great because we were just exchanging conceptual ideas about how to compose music, but also the technology side of working with Ableton Live and all the many things you can do in that software. So yeah. I'm always sort of wanting to expand my, yeah, my skills in terms of the, the software and the tools that I'm using. That's great. I remember seeing a performance of the two of you at Space for Art. Mm -hmm. I love how you're so fluid and you can shift from working with choreographers for, for certain stage performances to gallery performances to you as a mover without your violin or any of your technology <laughs> and just your body, which is, you know, super high tech, truly, but <laughs> different kind of tech. So how does movement enter into your, your process? Yeah, I think as sort of a kind of extension or caveat of, of postmodern dance, there's a lot of kind of somatic modalities and, you know, somatic practices that a lot of choreographers who are working in that tradition draw from or are just are engaged in and practice. One of the one of the sort of earlier collaborations was also with um, a choreographer and dancer, Buffy Swallow, who mm -hmm. I had also collaborated with for many years. And I know, Alicia, you've you've also worked with her. So I think with her in particular, she did a lot of somatic work that would then spill over into the choreographic process. And so for many years, I was totally immersed in her process, too, with that kind of stuff. And that was a really interesting way in to movement, because here I am sort of developing kind of a kinesthetic awareness through mm -hmm. cranial sacral kind of therapies. There were a ton of, of different kind of things that she had brought in that we tried. But yeah, so just developing all that sort of kinesthetic awareness and really getting the opportunity to learn to move from a place that wasn't really external. It wasn't like, oh, I'm trying to, you know, learn how to do a plie properly or, you know, learning the various positions. You know, it wasn't like learning movement from that, but it was just from a personal embodied place. You know, because I had some experience doing that, it was like, ooh, like I, I'm curious about contact improvisation, which I did for, for many years. And I'm curious about like Alexander Technique and Feldenkrais. And so I did a lot of those sort of things that were 
integrated into, you know, all the different artists that I work with that were really just integrated into their processes, you know? So that was kind of my way in. And then I think the other side of that is being around so many amazing movers. I was accompanying dance classes at least three times a week. I was collaborating with various choreographers. So I really got immersed even just from kind of an observational place of how bodies move, yeah. you know, and really through osmosis or just seeing and hearing people talk about movement so much, just internalized a lot of that. So whenever I had the opportunity to participate as a mover in a collaboration, I had all kinds of resources and things and ideas that I had just been immersed in that I was just really excited to just play with. So that was kind of my way in as a mover into the collaborations. Yeah. And did that affect the, the way that you composed or the way that you improvised with your violin? I think it's kind of hard to hard say to directly, <laughs> directly like how it influenced, but yeah, for sure. I mean, even, even more recently, I've had some time to kind of go back and listen to some of the music I was making mm -hmm. in various collaborations mm -hmm. and now have, being several years removed it's like wow it was really different like in a good way like in an exciting way it was very different and so i can hear how the 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 music that i was making or that i was collaborating with or that my collaborators were making <laughs> yeah it was all very i don't know unique to that sort of process i love that i love that i took a three-week workshop with terry o'connor uh -huh. and one of the things that i remember him saying right away was the process makes the piece. So look at your process if you want to make something new. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you're able to do that as you're entering into different ideas and different people's processes so that each process, you really take it in and create yeah. something that's unique to that process. Yeah. Well, I noticed, and I know this about you, that you are also great with words and a writer. And I noticed something on your webpage or on your blog about working with Leslie Siders. Was this yeah. something early on and writing with her and some kind of a practice that involved yeah. writing? Did, I want to hear about, did it overlap with movement and composition? Was it purely a writing process? I want to hear about this. Yeah, that was a really great collaboration. It was like a weekly practice that we were doing that had a really kind of basic score that I had set up. Basically, it was this idea of verbal text. So, so a way of generating text, we would improvise this kind of stream of consciousness or just continuous flow, kind of we improvise speaking. And while one person was speaking, the other person would be writing down, sort of catching things from that sort of stream of text, just writing it down into, yeah. into a notebook. And then just the two of you, just yeah, the two of yes. you. And, and I've, and I, I've done this in different with a few other, in a few other different contexts, but this is like where I had sort of come up with the, the score, I guess. So then there was another, so we kind of did this in rounds. So we would do that for a round, like each person would get a chance to just do some off the cuff, you know, just speaking, just kind of improvising in an improvised way. And then the next time we would, the person would, who had, was writing down all the text would read that text back while somebody else was improvising movement. But then there would be a, a third round where it could be more of a back and forth. So like 
one person would be sort of reading the text, the other person would be moving, but both people could speak, both people could perhaps move a little bit. One of the things I really love about working with text is it's, for me, it's always a way of, of hacking sort of my state of state of mind or just kind of my overall yeah. kind of just body mind state. So getting into, especially in, in a collaborative setting, just getting into a flowing verbal space can really open up a lot in terms of generating sound and generating movement. And, and I know you've worked with this as well. I mean, I've watched performances where you've worked with text and movement and yeah, exploring the intersection of that and also exploring, yeah, the, just the different states you can kind of put yourself in depending on what you're doing verbally. I think outside of art making, we are so sensitive to words, yeah. right? So yeah. I think when you bring that into an art making setting, yeah, there's, there's all the just complexity of meaning and even just experience and memory and history that is all tied up in that. It can offer some, yeah, some interesting things to work with. Yeah. Now, was this a practice that you kept to yourself or was this a practice that became a performance? It wasn't something that led directly to a performance, but it was something that became a tool in just making work. Yes. I know there's a lot of these things that overlap but were happening simultaneously, but there was also another group that I was working with that was a very collaborative group, but it was both musicians and dancers. And so we were creating a lot of, I don't know, nowadays we would probably call it like devised work, but back then we were just, you know, we were getting together and improvising and sort of sharing ideas and saying like, hey, I had this idea, let's try this. You know, every week someone would come up with, would bring something about like, oh, I had this idea, something we could try, you know, and so we would do that. And then all the things that would come out of that. So I think this text kind of score, this text and movement score was all happening simultaneously with these kind of ensembles that I was working with on a weekly basis, just in more of an open-ended just like in, in a more open-ended practice of just getting to come in and for a musician, it just, it kind of felt like just coming in and jamming with people, you know, yeah. learning basically you could just get to hear what other people do and sort of get to talk about like, what are they thinking about? What are they, what ideas are they working with? And then getting to try those things on or just kind of figure out how to respond or like work in and around what they're doing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that that text kind of that text and movement. And and now, actually, now that I think of it, I think what ended up happening with that was I had kind of did a little self-publishing. It was like a little book of poetry that I probably have. Yes. Okay. So this is, you, you were asking about that. What was the sort of, I don't know, what did we produce from all of that? Yeah. Yeah. What did it, did it, but this is what it was. It was, this is what I ended up producing. It was just a okay. little, Okay. yeah, you could just sort of see, it's just a little book of, of poetry yes. that I had produced that was basically taking all of the, the notebooks of material and trying to, you know, make some sense out of it and putting it together. And, and I, I think using poetry as sort of a form was perfect. It was a perfect way to kind of bring all of that into something. Well, and I was, I was just going to say that the form, it's like you are an experimenter. And so the experimentation, the process is where it is for you. But I want to be a part of, of everybody's work. I want to see, I want to see the work, but I love that you let the form find its way. You know, you let the form 
take its own journey where you, you might think this, this doesn't have a form or this, this form needs to be a performance in some way, but the, uh, the publishing of, of those poems, it's just, that's so cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I think growing up, you know, I moved around a lot for the most part as an artist, I was self-taught. There were, there were people around me who were like the directors of orchestras, or sometimes I would convince someone to, to give me private lessons, you know, you know, all those sorts of things. So I was always out like exploring, but for the most part, I think my background and also even like what I'm most comfortable with now is kind of just being in that sort of DIY self-taught kind of artist, Yeah. but also bringing, like I've had some formal training. So also bringing that into it. I think for me, I never really felt like I was a part of, or was attached to any specific tradition or outcome or genre. I never really just, I just never felt a part of anything in that way. So a lot of times when I approach things, it was just like, okay, what is this? You know, mm -hmm. and I wasn't thinking about it in terms of like, oh, this is part of this sort of tradition and this is what the outcome is, or this is what the goal is, or this is what the, this is what gets produced at the end of, mm -hmm. of the process, you know? I think too, you know, as a musician, always being curious about the different technologies as well also kind of takes me into different directions. You know, there's a lot of, you know, getting into a lot of digital technology, you kind of cross over into different media, you know, like visual media and, you know, sound art, you know, all of those things. So there's a lot, and even genre, like thinking about electronic music, like electronic music is really a, it's a worldwide community. And so the whole electronic music genre is so vast you know, participating in sort of electronic music communities, you really have sort of a, an adjacent connection with all kinds of ideas and even traditions and ways of making art, which I think that's kind of been more where I've been comfortable is being in those places of the vast interconnections and not so much feeling a part of like kind of an individual genre or style or that sort of thing. And you are so Christopher Apple. And that's that's the interesting <laughs> thing is that while you are such a part of all of these worlds and yet not attached to any one of them and not trying to individuate yourself, you are so Christopher Apple in that, <laughs> in that space. Yeah, which is, It's so great. I wrote down your work with Yolanda, Yolanda Snaith, yeah. because I feel like, you know, she is such an amazing space maker. For her collaborators yeah some things that are standing out in my memory one of them was that solo she did kind of recently so the two the two are kind of recent the solo that she did with an opera singer and you oh yes that was incredible and also that video that we made with the other dancers um yes and yeah, your relationship yeah. to to visual art and looking at visual art and responding yeah. to it yeah, this was like one of the of body and ghost was the the piece. It was it was the solo, Yolanda performing. We had a singer and then myself. This was really fun for me because getting to work with a singer and a dancer and getting to kind of be in that in between place of composer but also collaborator because it was more of sort of that collaborative way of like, okay, here's, here's what I have, here's what I can do. And then like, what can you do, you know, sort of yeah. thing, like, yeah. how, how, do, how do our things fit together? Right? Yeah, that was a really great process. I think too, one of the really great things about working with Yolanda is her sensitivity to not just to music, but to the 
musician. Her her husband is also a violinist and mm. someone who um, you know I've always looked up to just as an artist. You know, it's a really accomplished Baroque violinist. You know, because as musicians, we can be sort of particular about certain things, about sound and about what it, what like situations we want to be in that make us kind of perform our best, which I think is that everyone wants to, wants to be in that. And so when working with her, really feeling that, really feeling like I can sort of be a mover or be in sort of the text world or be a violinist or just be a composer, you know, I can sort of be in all of those things in whatever combination I need to really make the work. Yeah, I really appreciate that about her. And the other, I think, thing that was happening sort of simultaneously with that was that choreographer's exchange. Was yes. that does that ring a bell? Choreographer. Yes, yes. Yeah. It was great. But the the really so kind of going back into that idea of getting to have my foot in the various media as I needed to to really support mm -hmm. the work. I think with that it was getting into some sound design, also getting to move around the space as I played, getting to respond to not only to the movement that was happening, kind of that collaboration, but also the, the visual material that was being generated. Cool. And mm -hmm. Yolanda had, had been working for, I mean, I think years on doing these line, like continuous line drawings. Yes. Part of that collaboration was also working within those ideas of, of kind of that continuous line and then also different kind of creating different visual textures, you know, cause you, there are some settings where it's like, you know, we just need to have uh, a track that we can take with us to the theater. We can hit play and dance right. to it. Right. So there's yeah. like, um, that's, that's one thing. Yeah. And, but, but with working with Yolanda, it was always like, yeah, what are, what are all the things that you can, you can do and in what sort of combination. I really uh, like that aspect of working with her. Yeah. And I loved hearing, I remember you talking about, it's almost like the journey from the visual, when you saw the visual art or the, those drawings, mm -hmm. to your violin, do you remember <laughs> how you interpreted those scores? Because, you know, any of us, any of us could interpret them in any way we wanted to. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I found it really fascinating. I felt like movement. Oh yeah. That's so obvious, but music, <laughs> how, how are you doing that? I, well, actually I do remember now that you, you say that I, I remember thinking, like asking that same question and, and thinking, you know, playing a musical instrument, playing the violin is a physical thing. <laughs> like it, it has some movement and the movement is very specific to getting the strings to vibrate, yeah. <laughs> you know, in different ways. But, I do remember just experimenting with, okay, so here's this sort of drawing that you can kind of think about, or you can kind of see as it's happening, there's, there's like a physicality to making these line continuous line drawings or whatever the score was we were working with. And just sort of thinking about like, yeah, like the violin, it's, it's that same thing. Like there's some kind of physicality to draw some line in space or some uh -huh. curve curve, you know, curved, you know, yeah. some kind of arc in space that then a sound comes out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so I remember working in that space a lot too, and just working with kind of thinking about a drawing on a page, it's sort of like this static, well, it's not, not necessarily, but, it, but it's a thing. It's like on a page, it's in a specific place. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so much of sound is like in time. So yes. just thinking about trying to create short enough 
musical ideas from this idea of just the gesture where it sort of had that same, it felt like it had that same limitation of like space and time. That like, same like moment in time. Moments, exactly. Moment. So trying to just working with little just musical moments that kind of reflected that same idea and just exploring like, okay, here's just a gesture and maybe it was something I wouldn't usually do on a violin. Because if you're thinking about the sound that's going to come out, you might not, you might not do that, but you're yeah, just yeah. You're thinking of the movement and. Yeah, exactly. If it's just like, I'm just trying to make the string resonate as loudly and as fully as possible, then I'm just going to like try to get the bow as straight as possible, as perpendicular to the string as possible to get the most resonance. But if you kind of change that up, there are other sounds, like it still makes sound. And what are those other sounds? Yeah. 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 That's so cool. That goes back to that tinkering, that experimental, yeah. that's, that's such a through line for your work and your process. Yeah, I have loved talking to you, Christopher. Yeah, this has this been is... so amazing talking through your processes, your processes, yeah. all of them, you know, it's yeah. just so great that you're so you're in that vast world that you were speaking <laughs> of. And I love that world that you're in. And it just yeah. makes so much sense for us as audience members too. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Alicia. <laughs> what a great conversation. I just love everything Christopher stands for. Here are my takeaways. Number one, tinkering, exploration, and experimentation are vital parts of the creative process. Number two, approach collaboration with the question, how can I fit what I do with what you are working on? Number three, see every opportunity and collaboration as a chance to challenge your own skills and grow your own knowledge. Be super curious about everyone you work with. Number four, the process makes the piece. Change up your process if you wanna make something different and unique. Number five, create a regular practice for yourself without any expectation of an outcome or product. You never know where it might lead. Number six, create regular practices or jams with other artists. Listen to their ideas, try their ideas on, figure out how to work with what they're doing. And number seven, allow the form to find itself and be open to what might arise. It may not be what you expected. Thank you to Christopher Apple for sharing his experiences with us. That was just delightful. And thank you all for listening. I hope this inspires you to go tinker, to go explore, to make your work without any expectation and just let yourself be free with it. Let yourself truly create without that external pressure. I hope you have a peaceful and creative week. Until next time. <laughs>